Last week, we started a mini-series called Running the Race, and I made mention of the fact that if, if you're going to run well and embrace the future that God has for you, you must forget what lies behind, that you need to forget your worries, you need to forget your wounds, and you need to forget your wrongs. So you got to forget what lies behind. But in order to embrace the future that God has for you, you have to do some things in the present. Every year in Alaska, they have a race called the Iditta Sport. Not the Iditta Rod with dogs. The Iditta Sport with skiers. And they go 170 miles through ice, sleet, and snow. A year or so ago, there was a skier who had reached the 120-mile mark, who was two hours ahead of the nearest competitor. But he got discouraged. He got tired. He started to slow down. And only 30 miles left to finish the race, to achieve the goal of his lifetime, he got into his sleeping bag and he fell asleep. He said it just undid him. Have you ever felt that way before? You're moving towards the destiny that God has for you, the dream that you are wanting to embrace, and all of a sudden, you take yourself out of the race. You see, the, the Christian life is described as a race, and that race is not a 100-yard dash. It is a marathon. Folks, it begins when you say yes to Jesus Christ. For me, that was 47 years ago. And it ends when you see Jesus face to face. And the race that God has planned for you, the dream that he has for your life, doesn't occur on a flat plain. No, it's got hills and valleys. It's got snow. It's got sleet. Folks, it's not an easy race. It's a tough run. And in order to run well, you don't have to run fast. You just have to endure. Endurance is the key to running well. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Circle the word endurance. That word is a key word. It is mentioned 70 times in the New Testament in two different forms. When God mentions something 70 times, folks, it's important. Now why? Why is endurance important? Because truly very few people run consistently and are, and are able to embrace their dream. As a pastor, I've been by a many a bedside where I have actually wondered how well they've run the race. I did a funeral this past Friday, or yeah, this past Friday, who ran very well, Elka Nickman. We lost her to, to breast cancer. What has happened with the others is that they have gotten sidetracked or sidelined or they have tripped up. The Christian life is like a marathon, really. There's a lot of people that start. In a marathon race, there's a lot of people in the beginning. But as the race progresses, what happens? The crowd thins. In the same way, the Christian life has a lot of people who start in the beginning and they are filled with God. They are filled full of the love of God. 
But somewhere along the race, they get sidelined, sidetracked, tripped up, and they quit. Now, obviously, this isn't true for everybody. My goal is I want you to be the exception. I want you to be able to hear the applause of heaven. Good job. Now, the best example of this is the Apostle Paul. In fact, he said it like this. Take a look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Will you circle that word faithful? How do you do that? How do you keep on keeping on, remaining faithful so as not to get sidetracked, so as not to get sidelined, so as not to get tripped up, so that you can embrace the future that God has for you? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gives us seven secrets. I don't have time to do them all today. I'm just going to give you four of them. As I give you each of these out of 2 Corinthians 4, I want you to write beside that point, okay or NW, needs work. The first quality of running well so as to embrace your future is that you must refuse to compromise your integrity. Now, folks, we all know what integrity is. It is when our private life matches our public life. And integrity was extremely important to the Apostle Paul. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4.2. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say in the open, the whole truth on display. Paul says, I refuse to be a fake. I'm going to be who I am. I'm choosing integrity over image. This quality of integrity is one of the most admired qualities of any person. In fact, in the last century, when they have done surveys about the most admired men in our culture, Billy Graham has always been at the top. Why? Because he possesses this quality. He represents three, telling the truth, keeping his word, and practicing his beliefs. Now, honestly, I don't think people wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm going to live with a lack of integrity today. I think we all want to live with integrity. But how do we get in trouble in this area? Well, let me tell you how. It doesn't happen by you and I digging ourselves a hole with a backhoe. That isn't how it happens. It happens as you and I dig ourselves in a hole through a little spoon, through little decisions. Just this one time. That's okay. And you begin digging yourself a hole with a little spoon. The question is this. What keeps you on track, integrity-wise, so that you can achieve the, 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 the dream that God has for you. Well, folks, there are a number of reasons. There are spiritual reasons, there are rational reasons, and honestly, there are personal reasons. There are spiritual reasons. You are being watched. And you're not being watched just by other people. You are being watched by God. God sees everything that you do and he knows everything that you think. When you get tempted by the devil, 
he comes up and he whispers in your ear in 21st century vernacular. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No one will ever know. But the truth of the matter is, God knows. Folks, we have all heard the expression, integrity is what you are when no one is watching. And by the way, that is true. But let me drive it down more spirit, into more of a spiritual depth thought. Integrity is what you are when you know God is watching. The other reason is that it's just rational. We reap what we sow. And knowing that thought can keep us on track. Folks, every farmer understands that when you plant corn, you get corn. If you sow lies, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get lies. If you sow cheating, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get cheating. If you sow immoral thoughts, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get an immoral life. Folks, it's just the law of life. And personally, it damages your character. Dishonesty damages your character at your very core. You've heard me say this, that life is a test and that it is preparation for eternity. And your reward when you get to heaven is going to be based on your personal character here on earth. And so dishonesty hits us at the core and the implications aren't just for the here and now. They are for the eternity. A lot of times when we, th when we are making decisions, we think those decisions are only gonna have maybe years of impact when in reality they have an eternal impact. True story, unknown basketball coach out of uh, Ohio named Coach Cleveland won the championship basketball game, high school basketball game, okay? Got the big championship trophy. And later, on his own, he learned that there was one player during the year that only played 45 seconds, didn't affect the, the season at all, but he was ineligible. And he told the state, and the state took away the championship from him. People said, why in the world did you do that? you got to be kidding me. You, you could, if you didn't say anything, we'd be the champions of the state. And he told the people and his team, people may forget the basketball scores of games, but they will not forget the character of your life. He understood integrity. I, I love this verse. Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the honest keep them on track. So, Rate yourself. Put an OK or an NW. The second one is this. Resolve to live with humility. First, you refuse to compromise your integrity, but then you, you resolve to live with humility. Proverbs 18, 12. Proud people will be ruined, but the humble will be honored. Folks, if you get on an ego trip, I can pretty much guarantee you this, that you are gonna get tripped up on your way to your dream. Because the Bible says proud people will be ruined. In other words, if you're not humble, you're gonna stumble. And so I say, remember the lesson of the well. 
About the time you get to the top and you're about ready to blow your horn, remember, you're going to get harpooned, okay? The person who thinks they're too big for their britches will be exposed in the end. But proud people, or, or but humble people, will be honored. Now, I chose the word resolve purposefully. I want you to circle that word. Humility is a choice. It is something that you do. A lot of people think that it's something that happens to them. A lot of people ask God to humble them. Uh, humble them. God will not do that. It is not something that God does. It is not something that other people do to you. It is something that you do to yourself. Humility is a choice. Jesus said whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It is something that you do to yourself. So how do you and I do that? Well, this may shock you. Because I have people come into my office and they declare or say something and they'll say, you know what, I'm just so ashamed. And I said, that's okay. You're human. You see, we need to be honest about our, humani our, our humanity. We need to be honest about our weaknesses and our limitations and our imperfections. This may be a shock to you, but people already know that you and I aren't perfect, right? So why not own up to the fact that we don't have it all together? Why don't we just admit, you know what? There's no such thing as a perfect pastor. There's no such thing as a perfect phone call. I'm glad you got that. Now what we need to understand about our humanity is that humility isn't low self-esteem. It's not running yourself down. It's not saying, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm a bum, I'm a worm. No, Jesus Christ didn't die for worms. And he didn't die for junk. He died for people of great value. And so humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just being honest about your humanity. And a part of that is seen through your humor towards yourself. Do you realize that laugh, laughter, or humor and humility come from the same Greek word? It does. And so when you have the ability to, to laugh at your humanity, your mistakes, your weaknesses, your limitations, it helps with the road that you're traveling. Paul said it like this. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We carry this precious message around in the, in, in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Paul is saying that God has put in us his glory, his power, his life, and all we are are clay pots. That's it. And clay pots are fragile, aren't they? They are easily cracked. And each of us is a little bit cracked. If I had time, I'd tell you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're cracked, okay? 
Not on crack, but you're cracked, okay? (laughs) And we need to laugh at our limitations. And if you can do that, I guarantee you, it's going to help you as you travel down the road towards your future. We have a saying at LifePoint Church, and you're probably familiar with it. We don't take ourselves serious, but we do take God serious. I think another way truly is to remember that who you are, that you are a servant. Paul said it like this. Our message is not about ourselves. It is about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are your servants for his sake. 31 years ago, I started this church because of Jesus Christ. I will never forget it. I was up in an airplane stewing on whether God was leading me here to Plano, Texas. And as I looked at it and I saw the wave of people from North Dallas moving into Plano, I thought, God, this is the place. And I started crying. And it says, God, this is going to be your church. This church has really never been about me or anybody else. We are just servants. And if you can keep that focus, if you can keep your focus on loving God and loving other people and keep your focus on being a servant of God and serving other people, I guarantee you this, you will not have time to have an ego because you will be thinking, God, how can I love you better and how can I serve your people in a better way? Now, what I have discovered in 40 years of ministry is that this attitude and this, and this action, the enemy of that is image. Image is the enemy of humility. People walk around and think, you know what, I look good. I look good, I smell good, I've got the goods. I must be good, okay? We have so many image consultants in our culture today. Obviously, I don't have one, okay? It's pretty clear. I wear Hawaiian shirts and van shoes like that, okay? I say this, don't worry about image. Just forget about it. Worry about your character. Don't wake up in the morning and be thinking, hey, I've gotta be dressed for success. Rather, get up in the morning and clothe yourself with humility. Ask God, God, help me and give me a humble spirit. So rate yourself. Okay or NW needs some work. The third secret is renewing your spirit daily. Running the race that God has given you and the dreams that you have for God and for your life is tiring. And unless you find a way of daily renewing yourself, I guarantee you this, you will stop. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. What's his secret here? I mean, he's got valleys and Curves and potholes and everything else. What's the secret? Well, in verse 16, he tells us, this is why we're not discouraged. 
Though outwardly we are wearing out, inwardly we are renewed day by day. You see, the secret to running the race that God has for you and embracing the dream is daily renewal. He says that the physical wears out. Would anyone like to give a story about that? Folks, I don't care how much you nip it, tuck it, clip it, and paint it. And some of us are doing it a whole lot more now, okay, as we've traveled down that road. You and I are wearing out. But I got some good news for you. Though we are wearing out on the outside, that doesn't have to affect the inside of us. I have talked with those who are more mature than I am, and they always tell me, George, on the inside, I still think I'm a 25-year-old. And they are running the race just like that. Paul says we need to be renewed day by day. How do you do that? Let me just give you a couple of ways. One is by being renewed in God's word on a daily basis. God has given us his word for this. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 14. You are my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. How do you wait for God's word to renew you? Let me give you five things. Write these down very, very quickly. Use your hand. The little finger is hearing God's word. That's what you and I are doing right now. Come to church. Hear God's word. Next one, read God's word. Take five, 10 minutes in the morning and have what I call a quiet time. Just read your Bible. Say, God, speak to me through your word. Third, study God's word by asking questions of the text. Fourth, memorize God's word by getting it into your mind. And then fifth, Meditate on God's word and ask him, God, how can I apply this? And so you hear it, you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate on it and so that you get a grip on God's word so that it can renew your spirit on a daily basis. And then the second way I would say this is be in biblical community. You and I are renewed through relationships. I did a funeral just this Friday, and Steve, Steve Nickman, the spouse of Elka, kept saying, George, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, I wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be in the state that I am right now if it wasn't for the church's support. Hebrews 10, 25, let me read this. I don't think this one's in your outline. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Folks, you and I need um, spiritual renewal through God's word, but we also need relational renewal through relationships. Honestly, I would love to say to you that my keeping on and keeping on as a Christian was due to my intellect. Let's laugh at that. (laughs) Because it's not. And it's not due to my, my spiritual fitness or my own determination. If the truth were known, my my ability to keep on, 
keeping on is the privilege that I have had to be amongst people in a church, our church, who are growing in their faith. There is a series that's gonna, I'm gonna start. I've been working with Saddleback, Rick Warren. And on March 15th, we're gonna do a series called Time to Dream. And we're gonna be taking a look at how to open doors to a new me or a new you and new authentic relationships and opening the door to new greatness and opening the door to uh, new blessings and, and then finally a new future. And part of that, I'm gonna be challenging us to get into community just for six weeks, that's all. Six weeks and we're gonna, have, we're gonna make it as much available at every day of the week so that we can all do this together just for six weeks because folks, we really are better together. The point is this, as you're running the race, don't run it alone. Develop some relationships and go deeper. Do you realize that 90% of people who make New Year's resolutions have bailed on them by January 10th? That was just a few days ago. 90%. Why? Because they didn't share it with anybody and didn't partner up with anybody to do it. So how are you doing in this area? Say okay or write by it in W. The last secret that we see out of the apostle is you focus on the future. You focus on the future. If you are going to run well, you must refuse to compromise your integrity. You must resolve to live with humility. You must renew your spirit daily, weekly, through biblical community. And you must remain focused on your future. Anybody who has ever run a long race knows that mental fortitude is absolutely essential. If you let your mind begin to drift, I'm gonna tell you this, bad things are gonna happen. You're gonna start thinking, you know what? How much further do I have to go? Uh, my, uh, uh, my, my muscles are aching right now. I, I, I am really tired. And that's gonna get to you. And you will get sidetracked sidelined and tripped up and you won't achieve the dream. Last week we talked about forgetting what lies behind. This week we're gonna talk, today we're talking about focusing our lives on the future by developing some qualities in the present. Paul talks about this. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4.17. For your present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they will produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. He's beginning to hint about the future. In verse 18, he goes on. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, the future. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, the future, is eternal. 
The fourth secret of running well is focus. The more focused you are on your future, the more effective you will be in the present. Will you write this down? The key to persistence is perspective. The key to persistence is perspective. The reason why a lot of Christians don't run the race well and flame out is because they don't keep focused on the future. So let me talk about the next decade. This is a new decade that we are in. And as I began to think about these next 10 years, I had to reflect on God's faithfulness over these past, honestly, 31 years come this May. I started to think 31 years ago, really it was 33 years ago, I came to Dallas with a bunch of pastors to start a church in the Richardson-Dallas corridor, and we got it up and growing. And one day, God's mystery is, or God's will is a mystery, is it not? One of us said, hey, we ought, to, we ought to kind of divide up and start churches throughout the Metroplex. And I said, hey, that's a great idea. And I had the opportunity, because I had a pilot friend, to get in a plane, and I flew over Collin County, Plano, Texas, and truly you could see that the waves of people from North Dallas were coming this way. Population back then was 112,000 people. And as I was flying, you know, with those headsets on, you know, talking like this, I had tears coming down my eyes because God impressed on my heart then, George, this is where you're gonna plant a church. And sure enough, God did it. I would say the first 10 years of LifePoint Church was all about faith. We were believing God for everything, folks. We were believing God for people. We didn't even have enough people to get into the school system. We had six families, 12 people, 12 adults, few kids, but 12 adults. I tried to get into the school system. Oh, you have to have 25, uh, 25 families. What? What? I said, what am I going to do? I had the bright idea. Well, I'm just going to knock on people's doors, ask them to sign this little petition that they'll come to my church at least one time. And, and so we got 19 other families, and we got into Carlisle Elementary School. We were believing God for people. We were believing God for resources. We went from Carlisle to Schimmelfinnick. We were believing God for land, for building the little house, for building the big house. Folks, we were believing God for everything those first 10 years. People and resources. And I will never forget, God put a love in my heart immediately for this community that we live in. The next 10 years was about multiplying ministries and, and building biblical community and offering hope through those things. I brought in a consultant, Carl George from Fuller Seminary. He was here off and on through a year. And I'll never forget, after that year, he gave his report. And before that, he said, George, here's, here's what you need to do. You, you need to let go of the ministry. You need to let people, empower people to do ministry. And as we sat down together in a leadership meeting, and as he was explaining all these things, God's spirit just waved over me. And I, I, honestly, I started bawling. I said, God, I get it now. I get it. 
And so the ministries we have today and the ministries that are growing really are a result of those second 10 years. The third 10 years, or these last 10 years, has all been about love. Uh, globally spreading God's love throughout the world, locally and globally. I'll never forget, I was on my sabbatical up in Van Alstine. Remember when I was in Van Alstine? We're back here now because my wife didn't like it. Yes, dear. And I am listening to podcasts from Andy Stanley, from Tommy Nelson up in, uh, up in Denton. And I listened to one by Rick Warren. And he started talking about how the church has lived within the walls and it's time to break outside the walls. And I came up with that phrase, living beyond the walls of our church. And I got on my knees and I repented. I said, God, I have been so selfish. And I says, we're gonna go global. And we have. I can't tell you all the countries that we're in. I can tell you this, that we are on four of the seven continents in the world and we won't be on all seven unless people move to Antarctica. <laughs> we are global and we are local. We have, <coughs> we have churches and we have raised millions of dollars for our community and for the world. Well then, Pastor George, what? What's in store for the next 10 years? What are we gonna focus on the next 10 years? It's gonna be this, grow, reaching our community and growing our church. And the first action step is gonna be this, we're gonna be looking for my successor. It is time for us to find a Joshua who will take our church in to the future. Now we don't know how long that's going to take, but after we find that person, I'm gonna retire. You may be asking, Pastor George, why are you doing this now? For the same reason that I came here 31 years ago. I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. I would never wanna do anything that would hurt Jesus Christ in his name. That would, that would hurt my wife and my family. That would hurt our spiritual family. I love LifePoint Church. And I love the community that we're in. I am doing this for all the right reasons. It is time. It's time to find that Joshua who will lead all of us into the future. And I say all of us, I'm not going anywhere, okay? In fact, I'm gonna get a promotion. <laughs> I am gonna be promoted to membership. How about that? That's awesome. That is just awesome. And that new young buck, he's gonna have to hear me complain to him, okay? <laughs> Folks, this Will you turn and look at one another? Look, this is family. This is my family. I've invested 31 years of my life. I've raised my kids up here. We've done life deeply with all of you in some form or fashion. I'm not going anywhere. 
I'm going to be here. What will my role be other than a member here? God only knows. I know God's got some new plans for me. Right now, I am focused on helping us transition. That's why after this message next Sunday, and I will be here next Sunday, and I will be here the Sunday after that. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. And the Sunday after that. And we're going to do a series, When Life Surprises You. Folks, if you're a leader, you think ahead. I've been stewing on that series for almost a year now. This decision has not been made lightly. Over the last couple of years, honestly, I have prayed about it. I have talked with the board about it. We hadn't made a decision. We went through a book called Next. And we just talked about it. The decision was really made this end of October. I've gotten counsel from Bentry. I've gotten counsel from Saddleback. I've gotten counsel from Vanderblumen, a consulting firm. This thing has been thought through. It is just the right time. God has given me a verse. When I came here 31 years ago, gave me a life verse, Acts 13, 36. And David served God's purpose in his generation. And then he died. I have that verse on my tombstone. It forces me to live what I believe. I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. But I have served God's purposes faithfully by his grace for my generation. Now it's time for a Joshua. And we're going to start dreaming together. March 15th, that Sunday, we start that new series. Time to dream. Opening some new doors to us, to, to, to relationships, to greatness, to, to, to a future. Get involved. Now, helping us do that is the board. A lot of people ask, George, do we have a board? Yes, we do. We have a board. I've operated off the principle that the board truly is the backbone. It's the bones of the church. If you see your bones, guess what? You are not healthy. And so the board has always been in the back, but it's always been there. I have more accountability on my life than you do. I guarantee that. And that's okay. They are going to be the steering committee who will help us find my successor. And so I want to introduce them to you today. Will you, the board, will you come up here? Let's give them a round. Give them another round, because let me tell you, they've served a lot. Let me introduce them to you. Dennis Tollison, many of you know Dennis, he's on the board, okay? Give it up for Dennis. Charles Evans, raise your hand, Charles, right there. Heather Ars. Becky Dennis. K. 
Kate McBride is the chair of the board. I love her to pieces. Leo, I love you too, okay? Leo Carter, Steve Chalk right here. Steve and I go back 34 years, okay? We've done life deeply a long time. And then Brad Studer right here. Let's give it up for Brad. Now, I don't know about you. My mind has all kinds of thoughts running to it, and my heart is just full of emotions. I'm surprised I haven't broken down yet. But I want us to pray. I want us to pray together for ourselves and for our church. Like I said, we're family. We're going to do life together deeply. I, I, I'm going to be a grandpa in a rocking chair, seeing people come to Life Point Church. And so I want us to pray. And after we pray, the board is going to be down here. And they're going to be taking questions that you have. Can I encourage you to get to know them and to talk with them about the questions that you have? At noon today, if you will go out into the lobby, pick up one of these cards. A web page is on our site, on our web page, or on our, on our site. Our web what, presence, what do you call that? I don't, I don't know. It's a what? Landing page. Landing page, that's right, okay. I'm really techie, right? Um, you can pick this up and you will find all kinds of information. I want us to savor this moment. Two weeks from now, we're going to have town hall meetings on the weekend of the 25th and the 26th of January. I would encourage you to go to one of them. That's when we will be bringing Vanderblumen, which is in corporate America, headhunting uh, organization. It's really a ministry. And they will be walking it through. Folks, we've thought this through to the nth detail. And I would encourage you to come. 25th, 26th, 26th, that one will be after church. But it's time to reflect. And so I want us to pray. We're going to sing the last song. And my wife and I are going to go in the blue room behind this screen with our family. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to reflect as a family on this time. So I won't be here. Come and see the board. Get it? Good. Okay. Kate, will you lead us in prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing decade that we've had here at LifePoint Church. We're so grateful for the ministry, the faith, and the love that have occurred. And we're not finished, Father. We're so excited about the coming decade. Mm -hmm. We know you have a plan for us. And thank you, Father, that George and Cheryl, they love us so much to plan and prepare for our future. Father, we know you'll be with us. You'll be with each one of us. You will be there and love on us. We'll put our trust in you, and we will come to you with our concerns and our prayers. Father, I ask that you be with the board alongside me today, this board of directors. Mm -hmm. Father, we've been preparing. We, we take this very seriously. 
And we, we ask that you give us wisdom, that you give us discernment in the months ahead. We want to do a good job. Father, I, I, I thank you for these board members. And last, Father, I just lift up the church and the staff and all our congregation. I ask that we come together and get closer to these next few months. Uh, we're not done. We're, we're mm-hmm. still doing church the next several months, and we're going to continue our mission, our mission to join people seeking purpose and offer them life through Jesus Christ. We lift this up to you, Lord. We thank you. We love you, God. In your, your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.